is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? I want to talk about today prodigal children, the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter. Um, now, we live in a society that, you know, I don't know if there are any perfect functional family systems out there. I would say there are, there are no perfect functional family systems out there. There's a lot of dysfunctional family systems out there. And those dysfunctional, no matter how small or great, those dysfunctional family systems often create a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. And it's just the society in which we live. I mean, you think about it. No one taught you how to be a perfect father or a perfect mother. You never took a course on that, did you? You just sort of assumed that, you know, children coming into the world, you know, basically uh, that's all it was to it. But no one set you down and told you about the pitfalls, the mistakes that you can make. Now, our society, I think, has an enemy. Now, you may not believe in Satan, the devil, but... Listen, I believe the family, the nucleus family, which is father, mother, and children, has always been under attack by a diabolical spirit because Satan hates the family system because it represents, in a, in a way, it represents what God is doing. God also, God the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, they are in the process of creating children after their own kind. Now, that's another story that involves, you know, receiving the Spirit of God, conversion, repentance, conversion, uh, the laying on of hands for the receiving of the Spirit of God. But once a person receives the Spirit of God, what is often overlooked is that God also, God the Father and Christ the Son, are in the process of creating children after their own kind. God wants sons and daughters like himself, born into the family of God, ultimately. So for that reason, I've always believed that the family system has always been under attack. Now, there are all kinds of dynamics in that family system. When I talk about a dysfunctional family system, you know, you may not want to admit that, that yeah, you were a part of a dysfunctional family system. But like I said, there, there are no perfect family systems out there. So what do you do when you have a prodigal? All right, a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter. Okay, let's get a definition first of what is a prodigal. Basically, I'm going to go through a list of things. And yes, they're hard to admit to. And yes, they're hard to accept. But as a parent, you often can clearly identify these areas. Okay. Here's the list. First of all, they're living their life like a fool. All right. Uh, compulsive spending. Money that they don't have. You know, I just spent $300 on a tattoo on my buttocks. 
you know, people tell you that, and it's like, I mean, what kind of answer? I mean, it's, it's not like I'm going to say, well, let me see it. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, how do you answer a person who is full of arrogant pride and just told you they got a tattoo on their buttocks? I mean, I mean it's sort of hard to deal with because, you know, I mean, it really is. Okay, but that's, that's one of the, the, the characteristics of uh, the prodigal, compulsive spending, money that they don't have. Rebellion, not interested in advice from or instructions from anyone, especially parents, okay? Totally self-absorbed, self-centered, you know, kind of person that's going to post 25 pics of themselves every day on Facebook, all right? Promiscuous living. Sex, drugs, alcohol, debauchery, sensual pleasure, okay? Irresponsible, totally irresponsible, will not admit to any mistakes, will not admit to their stupidity, will not even acknowledge their stupidity, okay? Now, I want to give you some encouragement. You can do a lot of things right and still end up with a prodigal, okay, as a parent. You, you can do a lot of things right. In fact, you may look and say, well, my, my, yeah, there was some dysfunction there, but, but I, it wasn't that bad. So uh, I just want to encourage you and tell you that you can still, you can do a lot of things right and still end up with a prodigal son or daughter. Uh, what, uh, what is amazing is that gender has nothing to do with it, okay? You can have a, a son that turned out well, and you can have, but have a prodigal daughter. You can have a daughter that turned out very well. And then you can have a prodigal son. So it's, it's really not about gender. Uh, it, it can go either way, these conditions that create the prodigal. Now, <clears throat> there is a promise in the Bible. In Proverbs 22 and verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So, you know, this verse is conditional. Uh, your part is to train up a child in the way he should go. Now, there's a lot of dynamics to that, uh, that that can really screw that up and mess it up big time. Divorce is one of the things that can, can mess that up. You know, divorce, I think it was Billy Graham said divorce was like trying to unscramble an egg. You know, once it's done, it's done. And, and so, you know, you can have mixed signals. Often the children get mixed signals uh, when a divorce is occurring or before the divorce. You know, you might have this, this father that, that has, has a good modeling for the children, but the mother is, is, has bad characteristics or vice versa. You know, the mother may be the one that has the modeling uh, and the proper modeling for children, but the father is, is totally irresponsible. And often the child, the prodigal, will go to the weakest link. Whatever the weakest link is, okay, oh, I got this father, he's rebellious, he's, he's this, I, I like him, he's cool. I don't want any of this structure. I don't want any of these uh, commandments, uh, uh, thus says the parent, or thus says the Lord, or anything like that. So often the prodigal will gravitate to the weaker link. And so you get mixed signals, and the children, you know, don't know which one or what to believe. Now, okay, so train up. Your part is to train up a child, and there are all kinds of limitations in that area that can, can prevent that. 
God's part is when the child is old, he will not depart. Or let's say he will return. And that can be encouraging. Um, there is much we can say. Now, what is it about getting old that, that changes us? Well, that should be a stupid question, you know. I mean, you look in the mirror and you can figure that, figure that one out. Uh, but there's much we can say about the humility that comes from getting old. You know, that tat you got on your buttocks that you think is so sexy. You know, when you get old, when you're 70 years old, you know, the skin on your, you know, the skin on your arm, it sags down about six inches, you know. So when you get old, you know, that tat you got on your, your butt is going to be hanging past your knees. And that tat is going to like, look like someone threw a bucket of black paint on your rear end and now it's starting to drip. You, you, you're going to look deformed, you know. But now you think it's sexy. Now you think it's cute. Now you think, oh, that's the end thing to do. And you're not thinking past the moment, you see. The prodigal doesn't think past the moment. The prodigal lives in the moment for gratification of the moment. Okay. Now, as we get older, older especially, how does this bring us back around? How does it bring us back around getting old? Well, especially when you get that diagnosis that something's wrong. That can humble you very quickly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, and I hate to say this, but old age does not always work. I mean, I've met old fools that never seem to learn anything. And that's sad. But, but I, I still uh, agree with the general principle that aging humbles us. It has to humble us. You know, when you hurt, when you're in pain, when you're sick, when things go wrong, life humbles us. Believe me, life will humble the biggest fool out there. Yeah. Now, here's my point. One of the points I want to make is that no one taught us how to be a good parent. Now, you gotta, you got to wrap your minds around that. You know, your parents did modeling for you, now, although they might not have taught you how to be a good parent yourself, but they did model for you, and that modeling is critical of what you saw as a child concerning your parents. But you see, that is up in the air also, the modeling. Was the modeling good? Was the modeling bad? Uh, what kind of mother did you have? What kind of father did you have? Uh, was one good, one bad? One modeled good, one modeled bad? Or one didn't model at all? One was an absentee father, let's say. So, you know, there's a lot of huge dynamics in the creating of a prodigal son or the prodigal daughter. There is no school that taught us how to be good parents. You know, your public school system didn't teach you how to good, be good parents. I can guarantee you that. College didn't, or college surely didn't teach us how to be good parents. You know, genital bonding didn't teach us how to be good parents. You know, the couple in the heat of passion to jump in the back seat of the car, make love, and, and, a, and an unwanted, uh, unloved child comes into the world. That didn't teach us how to be good parents. That taught us nothing about how to be a good parent. Now, here's the sad part. Probably your church didn't teach you how to be a good parent either. I mean, think about it. You ever heard a sermon about parenting and how to be a good parent and the dynamics to being a good parent? You know, you gotta, you got to realize that half of your congregation in the church have gotten a divorce. 50% of the people in your church have, have, have gotten a divorce. So it makes it a touchy situation to even talk about far as the minister is concerned, but chances are your church didn't teach you. Again, I say that there is a spiritual attack on the family and it works at the highest level. It works in the church because the church are not, they're not really talking about or teaching 
people how to be good parents because in a way they're hamstrung. They can't because they don't want to step on toes. They don't want to, you know, they have to dance around that issue of divorce, you see. So what do you do when you have a prodigal son or daughter? What, what does the scripture tell us? What's some advice we can take from this message? And I want to give you some, and, you know, because it, it can feel like a hopeless situation. So let's take a look at the prodigal son, the prodigal story in Luke 15 and verse 11. And he said a certain man had two sons. Now you can interpret that how you want to. You, you could say a, a man had two daughters or a man had a son and a daughter. Or how, you know, it, gender doesn't matter in this issue. When it comes to prodigals, gender does not matter. Okay, Luke 15 and verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, give me the portion of goods that fall up to me and he divided them his living. So why did the son want his inheritance, which was probably a large, large sum of money? Well, Luke 15 verse 13 tells us why. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Now you wanna circle that word riotous living so I want to go back to the definition of what a prodigal is when we talk about riotous living, okay? I want my inheritance. Why do I want my inheritance? To live like a fool, okay? Compulsive spending, rebellion, not interested in advice or instructions from anyone, especially the parents, promiscuous living, sex, drugs, alcohol, totally self-absorbed, self-centered, wild living, reckless living, debauchery, sensual pleasure, irresponsible, stu basically stupidity. Okay, that's what we're dealing with. Now here's where it gets interesting. I mean very, very interesting. And that is the father's response. Again, we read, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. In other words, the father didn't hem and haul. The father didn't say, no, I'm not going to do that. The father willfully said, here is your inheritance. Now, the father in this story represents God the Father. Don't let that slip by you. The father in this story, look, give me what I want, Lord. Give me my inheritance so I can live like a fool. God, I want to tell you something that I love and hate about God. God. Here it is. God will give us enough rope to hang ourselves. I love that about God because I want to do what I want to do. I, I don't want someone. I don't want those restrictions. I don't want someone stopping me from what I want to do. You know, I, I hate this about God because it leads to... Uh, a lot of pain and suffering in our lives, you see, when God gives us enough rope to hang ourselves. God has never stopped a chain smoker from smoking and getting emphysema or, or lung cancer. God has never stop, stopped an alcoholic from destroying his liver. God has never stopped a couple in the back seat of the car from making love and bringing a child into the world that is not loved and not wanted. He's never stopped that. He's never stopped a drug addict from shooting up. He's never stopped a drunk driver from a head-on collision, from running into somebody totally drunk, can't, don't even, can't, can't even see, from causing a, 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 a head-on collision. Like a bumper sticker I saw one time. It says, my son was killed by a drunk driver. It was the most painful bumper sticker I ever saw in my life. But my point is, God didn't stop it. 
God will give us enough rope to hang ourselves. We have got to understand we are free moral agencies. With, that is part of the gift. This is what we love about God. God has given us the freedom to choose. To choose the life that we live. And part in that choosing, we can choose bad or we can choose good. We can choose evil or we can choose righteousness. And God will give us enough rope to hang ourselves. Okay? So I want to consider what the father in this story did not do. The father did not reason with logic. Well, son, that's all your money you're going to get. Your inheritance. You don't, I mean, I know what you're going to do with it. You're going to spend it on wine and women, and, and you're going to make a fool of yourself. The father didn't reason with logic. The father just said, okay, here it is. The father did not invite him over for Sunday dinner. The father did not invite him over for game night every Wednesday. The father did not invite him on family vacations. The father did not invite him to church or, or a revival meeting. The father did not preach to him and go hunt him down and start preaching to him. The father did not do that. It was a total leave of absence that the father allowed with, no, now get this, with no strings attached. No strings attached. You see, every time you meet the prodigal halfway, every time you try to fix the prodigal, every time you try to rescue the prodigal, every time you are a caretaker for the prodigal, and a caretaker is just a person who does for others instead of letting them do for themselves. I'm going to do for you what you should be doing for yourself. Okay, that's what you call a caretaker. And every time we take up that caretaker role, you are only prolonging the recovery process with the prodigal. There is a recovery process with the prodigal. As painful as, as it may be, there is a recovery process. It is the prodigal that has taken the leave of absence. And, and you as a loving parent allow the prodigal to take a leave of absence. I am leaving my, my parents' responsibility, their teaching, their, their lessons. Their, I, I, I'm, I'm taking a leave of absence from the love of the father, the love of the mother. Luke 15 and verse 14, and when he had spent all there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Now here comes the change, all right? And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his field to feed swine. Next verse, Luke 15 and verse 16. And he would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating. And no one gave him anything. This is how far the father let this son go. He's eating pig's food. And the little statement here, and no one gave him anything. You want to circle that, underline that. No one gave him anything. Where was the father? Where was the father? Now, was the father praying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I am quite sure. In fact, prayer is probably the singular most important thing that you can do if you have a prodigal. I'm sure the father prayed every day to God for this son. And I'm going to tell you what you need to be praying for in, in just a second. But my point is the father did not stalk him. The father was not out hunting for him. The father was not begging and pleading for him. The father was not asking him on family vacations or Sunday dinner. No, it was the prodigal that left the protective shield of wisdom instructions of the parents. That was the prodigal's decision to make. The father was simply living his life as expected. 
Luke 15 and verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, now, that's, now you want to underline that statement. When he came to himself. There's a restoration process that the prodigal has to go through. And it involves coming to himself. He said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough, to, bread enough and, I, and to spare, and I perish with hunger? Yeah, hunger is pretty serious, is it not? Now, I said I was going to tell you the prayer that is needed. Is that the prodigal come to himself? That the prodigal come to the end of his rope and you want to ask for God to place the shield of protection around your child. Because believe me, your child's going to need that shield of protection. Okay. But you want to pray that, you know, the person come to the himself, come to the end of his rope. Luke 15, verse 18, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. What you're looking for from the prodigal is to come home. And home is a literal place. It's not a phone call that says, could I borrow some money? No, that's, that's not home, okay? You want, you're looking for the prodigal to come home in the spirit of repentance. Dad, Mom, I have been a fool. I am a fool. That's what you're looking for, okay? Then that's not easy to come to, all right? Now, if your prodigal is a manipulator... There may be a pretense of repentance. Oh, you know, there may be tears. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I just hate it. Could you loan me $100? Oh, I'm so sorry. And all the weeping and crying. Uh, could you babysit for me? Okay. Luke 15 and verse 19. I am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. Notice there is a recognition and an acknowledgement that I have hurt the ones that have brought me into this world. This man says, I am not, this son says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. That's a powerful statement there. That, that's true repentance, you know. Make me as a hired servant. I'll do anything. Luke 15 and verse 20, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Yes, there, 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 there is rec reconciliation. There's forgiveness. But there must be real repentance. There has to be real repentance. Now, I want to touch on, before I close out, what if children are involved? What if the prodigal has a child? Well, if you're talking about a real prodigal, as we discuss, my advice would be, and this is me speaking, Complete custody of the child must be taken. The child will be destroyed in the presence of a prodigal. The prodigal is not fit to be a parent. And that's one of the points that you want to get across to the prodigal. Look, you're not fit, son, to be a parent. You're not fit, daughter, to be a parent. Now, when I say complete custody, I, I know what you're thinking. Well, I'm 50 years old. I'm looking to forward to retirement. I'm not looking to be a parent again. And I understand, what you, I understand what you're going through. Now, again, when I say complete custody, the prodigal cannot see the child without supervision. It's too dangerous for the child. Okay, don't fall for any of this. Well, we just need to have a father and daddy time together after 30 days or 60 days of being totally absent. All of a sudden he comes home, oh, we want to have, you know, father and daddy time. Don't fall for that. 
Do not fall for that. The prodigal cannot see the child without supervision. Because what you're talking about is the potential of abuse and sexual abuse. Especially if it's a girl, you know, uh, as she starts to develop, her breast starts to develop, her figure starts to develop. You don't want to take a chance of this. The, remember, the prodigal is, not, is unfit to be a parent. Okay, it's too much, too many pitfalls out there, too many dangerous people out there. Okay. And you know what is sad is that until the prodigal comes to his senses, he will probably not even care that he cannot see the child. He may put on a good act, but you see, he never wanted the child in the first place, is the point. Now, I know this has been a hard message to take, but don't ever lose hope. There is a restoration process. And I just heard recently someone said, well, that person will never change. They're too far gone. I don't believe that. I do not believe that because that puts limitations on God. With God, all things are possible. God can change the prodigal heart and you can have a celebration in the future. Luke 15 and verse 24, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they begin to make merry. Notice the, the, the consequences here. Look, yeah, my son was dead, but now he's alive that he's repented. He was lost and he's been found. You know, sometimes as parents, we look at old photo albums of our children and we look back before their innocence was lost and we say, why? What happened? What could I have, how, what could I have done better? What did I do wrong? And I, I want to encourage you not to beat yourself up because self-condemnation will get you nowhere. Yeah, you might need to ask for forgiveness, but, but God is gracious to forgive us. And God wants that prodigal to come home just as much as you do and to be restored. So don't live in a self-condemning life. Yes, it says, you know, I mean, the bottom line is this. No parent wants their children to be lost and dead. So I pray for all prodigals to be found and to come alive. And let us join one another in that powerful prayer for all prodigal children, the prodigal son, the prodigal daughter. Join me in that prayer that they may be found once again and be totally restored. I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia. 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program. This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 
24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151.